0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And now, Father, speak to us. Somehow, this is the manner that you have set aside and ordained as the means whereby our hearts might be touched. So Lord, have your way with us even now. Pray in Jesus name. Amen. So after two years of seminary, I thought, if this is what it's like to be in the ministry, I don't want to do this. And I I went to uh, an old colleague in Southern California and worked with him for a year as an intern. And during that time, I didn't want to lose all the stuff I had learned. So I, I sat down to translate the book of Romans. And as I did, I realized that Romans was Paul's magnum opus. It was before he even went to the city himself where he went to die. But he wrote this book and it has, I believe, the the highest and best of Christian theology that is condensed down and it has been, thousands upon thousands of pages have been written about this particular work of the Apostle Paul's. And I sat down and by the time I was done with the eighth chapter, I realized that was like ascending the summit. I'd been to the top of Mount Everest and um, it was at that point that I actually stopped and went back to it a few years later and finished off the book. But I'm going to be reading from that chapter. I won't take us to the end, but I will take us to the prelude to the end, the, that, that one place where you climb up and then, and then you have a brief moment where you can see the, plot, the, the peak. And without ascending the peak this morning, we'll have a view of the peak from this passage. Here the word of God comes to us from the eighth chapter of Romans. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature always is hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you even though your body will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to you, to your mortal bodies, by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful natures urge you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we are to share in his suffering as well. May God add his understanding of this hearing of his word. (laughs) So... I determined that one of the core fundamentals of the church, one that often is avoided, is the whole understanding of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. While in seminar, I had a class called the Third Article, because the Holy Spirit is the third article of the Apostles' Creed. And for a full semester, I had my mind boggled by one of the great doctors of the church. And As I was preparing this week, I realized I had way too much material. And so it was not a challenge of figuring out what to know. It was what to say, because it is such a huge, huge reality, the the notion of the Spirit. If you think about it, the Spirit of Christ is the only access to God we have. Jesus is not physically with us anymore, and the Father only was physically with us through his Son. So the presence of God, when we talk about God's presence, all we're talking about is the Spirit. That is the means whereby God comes to us and speaks to us, and when we pray, we we are praying, and the, the Spirit takes what we say and even what we think and feel and takes that to the foot of God in the the throne room. So it is through the Spirit that the church has its life. And yet, whenever we talk about the Spirit of God, we, we kind of may pull back a little bit because there are so many extremes associated with the Holy Spirit. And we've been exposed to those along the way. And when I was in my church in California, I had... <clears throat> some in my congregation that were rather Pentecostal in their, in their way, and they thought I should be speaking in tongues and, and that sort of thing. And I, I just said, well, that's, that's not one of the gifts that I have. Not that I don't believe it, it's just not one of the gifts, but I was being pressured by some of those folks to speak in tongues. And I, I remember as a kid going to a gathering of young people at the Episcopal Church in Riverside. And it was headed up by a young man who is now a very famous pastor, still living and preaching in Riverside. And he had us all come by him after his message. And so we all lined up and and then faced him and he, he spoke a word of blessing. And he said, remember him leaning forward and saying to me, start mumbling. And I just turned and went back to my seat. I felt, you know, he was trying to trying to get me to speak in tongues, and I thought this is weird. And um, so we're familiar with those kinds of express, uh, ex, you know, extremes. And maybe you've gone through something similar along the way. And um, and then there's a uh, right now there's a denomination that says, well, God is still speaking. Well, as if we didn't know, but what that is talking about is unmooring, unmooring the church's doctrine from the scriptures, as if we have a testimony of the Spirit that somehow can trump the, the, the words of scripture. And, and so that, that kind of extreme access to the Holy Spirit can, can put us into a place of, of error, whether it's on the the very, the Pentecostal side or on that very liberal side. And so we're we get a little nervous about this spirit of the talk of the spirit and spiritual stuff. And it's also a little, because we don't really grasp it, it's a little scary. I loved what Denzel Washington said when he 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 talked about his experience and, and he didn't, he couldn't really talk much about it. It was just something that was. And he said that it scared him. And I thought that was great. (laughs) We, we get touched, we get moved. We, we have, we have some kind of a power that, that impacts us. And we don't know what it is or why it is, but it's good enough to simply say, this is the spirit of the spirit of God touching our lives. The spirit is understood primarily first, first and foremost, as a giver of life. I don't know if you realize it, but the very first two chapters of the Bible represent the triune God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word was was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And then it goes on to say, and God said, let there be light. So the Father, the Creator, the Word of God, by which God creates, God speaks and it is, and the Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. In the the Hebrew understanding, water was their symbol of nothingness. So the language of the abyss, and the Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. And that doesn't put in my mind uh, like a bird, uh, as in a dove, as we see in the New Testament, but a thundercloud striking lightning on the water, as we see in the summer. And all those people up north miss it. And the Spirit of God hovers over the face of the water. So, in the opening chapter of Genesis, we have the triune God acting to bring about life and to bring forth life. So he acts in creation. And then the Spirit of God comes upon the prophets. The Spirit animates both life, breathing into the nostrils of Adam, the breath of life, animating life, and then animates the the words of the prophets, the prophets and the kings and the the leadership of Israel. Each one was in turn animated by the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And you remember the story of David when he had fallen because of his sin with Bathsheba. He cries out in a confessional hymn in the 51st Psalm, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So, the Spirit of God is the animating reality of the people of God through their leadership. But then on the day of Pentecost, we have a new reality. Christ is risen, Christ ascends, and then His Spirit is given to the church. And it was the fulfillment of what is spoken of in the book of of Jonah. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Yea, and on my manservants and maidservants in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. So the Spirit of God is now animating the church, and not through a priesthood, but through everyone, your sons and your daughters, your men servants and your maid servants, they will all prophesy. They will all speak this truth. This is why I think it is important that we affirm the ministry of, of all, of men and women. I've, every now and then I get some reports on Don's class. People think who go to her class think she is just absolutely phenomenal. And she is. She she has a, a deep spirit within her that is not her personality. I mean, God uses her personality, but it's the spirit of Christ living within her as it speaks in the book of Acts about the day of Pentecost. And it speaks in the book of Jonah when, when this is, of Joel rather, when, when this is to be fulfilled. And so so it is that the Spirit animates the life of the church. The Spirit gives life, but the Spirit also gives freedom from sin. And I, I also loved what Denzel Washington said about that. He didn't know, so he really, really didn't know if he wanted to be so free from sin. <laughs> he, uh, he kind of liked a lot of stuff he was doing. And, um, and he, he struggled with that reality. But then he realized, as we all realize along the way, if we continue to go that way, if we continue to do those things that we know are wrong, and that we know are self and other destructive, it doesn't lead to life. That's a great lie of our culture. Somehow, if we just do whatever we want to do, somehow there there is life. If we do that which we feel, well, that's self-actualization. That's how we actually become who we really are. And it's just not the case. We didn't make ourselves. We're not self-generated. We came from God. God. The Father made us. The Father loves us. We're his children. He knows how we we would best live. And so if I simply do what I really feel, well, there'd be some very badly injured ecclesiastical authorities right now if I did what I really felt. (laughs) but we suppress those things that are wrong, or we we set those things aside. We don't do them just because we feel them. Neither are we defined by our feelings. We're defined by God. And as our Lord said, I have come that they may have life, and have life abundantly, that they might have the fullness of life, and so often in the church, the best kept secret in the life of the, of the Christian faith is joy. That we are to be a people characterized by a deep and abiding joy because we, we live by the power of God's spirit at work within us. And in, in so doing, yeah, we, we still sin. But we, we, we move on, we just keep going. And we can beat ourselves up for a while for it, but that's not what God intends. God doesn't intend for us to be, to be hammering ourselves because of our sin. He wants us free from all that. Wants us to move on, put it behind us. Jesus said, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. We leave all that stuff behind and plow ahead, move forward. and and live into the freedom to which we have been called. And we're likewise, by the Spirit, made free from death. Yeah, free from death. So we will, in this body, this body will die, but we will not die. The promise of God is that, that we will take on life eternal. And and we will know what it is to to have all of our longings, our deepest longings fulfilled by, by our own resurrections. That is the promise of the Spirit. And you know how that is. As I've shared before, When I was in college, I could out-jump all my teammates. I had a 38-inch vertical. And just the other day, I went to LA Fitness. (laughs) And they had a volleyball net up. I also played volleyball at Santa Barbara. And I could jump and literally reach over the net. Right, Mary? (laughs) So I could block these guys way over the net. So first, I tried to dunk. And then I tried to block over the net. And then I went back out and continued my workout. (laughs) It is what it is. This body just doesn't, we're not made for this world. This body doesn't, it fails us. If it's not one thing, it's another. I have to wear these dumb things, you know, when I read. I mean, we all know what it is. But God, through Christ and through the Apostle, promises us that we will not die. We We will live. And therefore... We can live this life with so much courage, and so much joy, and, and know that, that this is not all there is. So when I was a kid, my dad's aunt, Aunt Hannah, babysat us. And I've kind of only learned some of this just recently, but I found out that Aunt Hannah used to work the red light district in Stockholm. (laughs) Now, back in Gothenburg, where my grandparents, my grandfather came from, uh, there were a bunch of women who got together in a Bible study. And these women came together and they they prayed and, and they studied the scriptures, and, but they, they also had a, a missional consciousness. So they, they became aware of what was going on in places like Stockholm. And uh, even the state church was trying to shut them down. The state church was really against these kinds of, these kinds of gatherings. But they still gathered, and they still prayed, and they still did their work. And I come to find out that it was a ladies' Bible study that actually went and found my Aunt Hannah and, and pulled her out of that life. Turns out, she was pregnant. And because she was pregnant, she was sent to the United States where there was some family in Spokane, Washington. And so she went, and and when she got to Spokane, she hooked up with my dad's mom. The two sisters took care of each other, watched each other, watched out for each other. And um, when I was a little kid, we'd go out to the Carlson's farm and get eggs about once a month. Well, that was Aunt Hannah's son and his family in Post Falls, just over the Idaho border. And Aunt Hannah, in babysitting with us, she would babysit because mom and dad would be out playing bridge and she would excoriate them for playing cards. (laughs) And I never knew until a recent conversation with my sister. Well, what can I say? That's the spirit of God at work. We don't do things because just because, well, we're supposed to do things for mission and that kind of... We we don't do it for that reason. We do it because the Spirit of God touches our hearts and lives and we, we do something. We do things prompted by the Spirit. And so don't be afraid when you get that prompting. Don't be afraid if if something happens to you and all of a sudden you you feel like, I don't know what's going on, but something's moving in me, just go with it. Let God have his way. Let the Spirit have his way. And what happens is that you are so fully embraced by the love of the Father and without even knowing it, Your life is changed, and the lives of others are changed through you. That's how the Spirit works. Will you join me in prayer? And thank you, O Lord. Because of you, we have life, and newness of life, and life everlasting. Thank you, O Lord, that even though we are still beset by sin, we are free from it thank you, O Lord, that though we will die in this body, we will live. For the work and the gift of your presence among us, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.